This is Solid Foundation Ministries with Dr. Pierre Couvert, building solid foundations through sound Bible teaching. Good morning and welcome back to Solid Foundation Ministries. Today we start a new year and I'd like to wish every one of you a happy and prosperous new year for this coming year. It's a time of year when many make New Year's resolutions. This is good if we keep them, but the Bible says that it's better not to vow than to vow and not keep it. It's better to examine ourselves this time of year and see uh, where we are spiritually, and uh, that examination should be according to God's word. Listen to what it says in Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. It says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know, uh, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. I moved to the Bible Belt just over 10 years ago. I must say that it was a great disappointment to me. Most of the churches in this area have long since departed from the Word of God as their guide for faith and practice. Almost everyone was raised in church and claims to be saved, but few lives look like they've been changed by that salvation experience. When I asked many people uh, why they think they're going to get into heaven, the answer that I get is often more aligned with what they do or they did than it is on what the scriptures really say about the subject. I have heard pastors brag about how good a Christian someone is because they warm a pew every service, even when their lives show no evidence of being a new creature. I want to look at what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 7 on this subject. Matthew chapter 7 is near the end of the Sermon on the Mount. This chapter includes some very important subjects. It starts out by talking about uh, judging others when we have a greater sin in our own lives. Uh, That's passage is often misused by meaning we shouldn't judge others at all, but that's not what it says. It goes on about asking and receiving and uh, when we pray to God, getting what we ask for. Uh, It talks about the straight gate and narrow gate. It talks about false prophets, and it talks about building on the right foundation. These are all important subjects, but I want to focus on the part about entering into the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And I, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You will notice that it says in that day. So what is the day that it's talking about here? Hebrews 9.27, I think, gives us the answer to that. It says, And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Everyone has an appointment with death, except those that are saved and will go up in the rapture. And we need to keep that in, in mind as we live our lives. After death or rapture, everyone has an appointment with judgment. The lost will be judged at the great white throne judgment, and the saved will be uh, judged at the judgment seat of Christ. 
the judgment for the lost will condemn them to an eternity in the, in the lake of fire, and the judgment of the saved will determine their reward, but will not have anything to do with whether or not they're saved. And I believe this is the day that he's talking about. Just before our text, Jesus said this in, in verses 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to uh, destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. Now, this is an important passage of Scripture, uh, and I think that we'll find if we really think about this, that the wide gate is the gate of religion. Just about everybody, even the atheist, has a religion. His religion is he's God and he gets to make his own determinations. But but many are very dedicated to their religion. Think about the Catholics. We used to live in a house when we first got married that had an alley behind the house. And every single morning you would see this elderly lady, a Catholic lady, walking on her way to, uh, to Mass to... Uh, worship her God. And by the way, the God of the Catholics is not the God of the Bible. That might shock you, but it's the truth. How about Muslims? Muslims are so faithful to their faith and their religion that, that they are willing to blow themselves up to kill infidels. Then the Mormons. Mormons are, are, are extremely faithful. I have a Mormon side of my family, and uh, they're extremely faithful. They're good people. They, they try and live good, clean lives. And uh, uh, they're faithful, so the gate of religion isn't a bad gate in that sense. This gate is attractive, though, because it makes us feel good. It makes us feel like we've done something to merit getting into heaven, that we've earned our way there. Uh, many try to enter uh, heaven through this gate, but it leads to destruction. And it's sad that that's where most people try and go, but uh, they do try and, and, and get into through this wide gate. Then there's the straight gate. Now, the straight gate, that word means narrow. It's not something and it's a straight line. It's a narrow straight, uh, like the Straits of, Gibral of Gibraltar, which is a narrow passage between the Mediterranean Sea and the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, it's not what we do, it's what he has done. And it's trusting in that and that alone that gets us into heaven. And there's no other way. Uh, it's a very narrow gate, which means that we have to go through it by ourselves, one at a time. We can't go on somebody else's coattails. We can't take anybody through with us. We can't take any baggage with us. But this gate leads to everlasting life. And the sad thing is the end of this uh, verse says, and few there be that find it. How sad it is that so few find the, the narrow gate which leads to salvation. If we go back to our text, I'd like you to notice that the people that are being spoken of here are, are good people. They call Jesus Lord, Lord. Uh, that's, that's a good thing because he is in fact Lord. They preached in his name. Uh, they cast out devils in his name. They were busy doing good works in his name. They did it all in his name, but it was all vain because they hadn't entered in at the straight gate. They were doing things to merit their salvation instead of trusting in Christ. I want you to really notice what Jesus had to say about these people. He said, I never knew you. Notice, never 
knew you. He told them that they were to depart from him. Why? Because they were workers of iniquity. Now, they were doing good things, and they were doing it all in his name. But he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. These people, in spite of all their good works, all the things that they did in the name of Jesus, will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And how sad it is. I think of people like Mother Teresa and all the things that she did to help the people in Calcutta uh, in their poverty and, and in their sicknesses, all the things that she did. These good works, she did them in the name of Jesus, but she would not preach the gospel to these people. She let them die in their own religions. So that shows where her real faith was, but she was trusting what she did. What does it mean to do the will of the Father? Because it says only those who do the will of the Father. That sounds an awfully lot like a works-based salvation, doesn't it? Well, Let's look at the will of the Father and see what it is. In John chapter 6 and verse 40, it gives us the answer to that question. And this is the will of him that sent me. Now that would be the Father. That every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. We see here that the will of the Father is that we see the Son and that we believe on him they must see him, first of all, as the Son of God. Jesus Christ was not just an ordinary man. He was not somebody who became God like the Mormons teach. He was the eternal, everlasting Son of God. They must see him as the only way to God. There's no other way. Jesus said, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't get there through any door other than the Lord Jesus Christ. They also need to see him as the final judge of all. They they must see him as the one they will stand before one day and give account for their lives. The lost will stand before him at the great white throne judgment and will be judged for their works. They, they think that their works are going to get them into heaven, but at the great white throne judgment they will find out that they do not, that their works fall fall far short of what's necessary to meet God's standard. Uh, the saved will stand at the judgment seat of Christ and will be judged for the way he lived his life after he was saved. His salvation will not be in question because when we're saved, it's an eternal uh, uh, thing and uh, we are preserved by him and his power, not by our own power. But we will be judged according to those works to see what kind of reward we will receive and those things that we have done that don't measure up, we will lose reward, and those things that we did that do measure up, we will receive reward for them. Then after they understand and believe these things, they must believe or trust in him and him alone for their salvation. You can't be saved any way other than through faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other way to be saved. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scriptures? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that uh, worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. 
but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is a, is counted for righteousness. And if by grace, then it is no more works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace, otherwise works will be no more works. This passage tells us why uh, this is the will of God. Abraham is the father of the faithful, and Abraham was not saved by works. I was recently listening to somebody that uh, a friend is getting involved with that, that said in the Old Testament they had to work for, for their salvation. They had to keep the law. But this passage tells us that that's not true. If we're saved by works, then the person who is saved is the author of his own salvation and he's the one that receives the glory it says that not before god none of us are going to be able to stand before god in glory when we see him we're going to realize just how uh, small and insignificant we are if he if a person is saved by faith then God is the author of salvation, and God receives all the glory. It's time that we get to the point of realizing that salvation is not about us. It's something that God has done so that he can receive glory through our salvation. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And this is just a reiterating what uh, Paul said in Romans when he wrote to the Romans. Uh, if salvation is by grace, then it cannot be by works. It's impossible that our works can earn our way to, seven, uh, to heaven. doesn't mean our works aren't uh, important, but it means they don't earn our way to heaven. Our works follow salvation. They are not the cause of salvation. If salvation is by works, it cannot be by grace because then God owes us salvation because of our works. The two things are totally incompatible. What kind of works are uh, many Christians trusting in? And I mean many of them who were raised in Baptist churches are trusting in these things, not just the, those uh, way out left-wing denominations. The first thing that many people are trusting in is baptism. Many think that baptism washes away our sin and opens the door to heaven. But what does it say in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21? It says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This passage does say baptism doth also now save us, but you need to read what it says before that. It says the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. It's a figure. It's a picture. Baptism itself does not save us. It's a like figure of our salvation. Baptism is a picture of what we trust in for salvation. But it does not remove our sin. It's very clear there. It says, not the putting of the, away of the filth of the flesh. Baptism is something that a Christian does. 
as an answer of good conscience before God. It, uh, it is a testimony of our faith. It says, I no longer belong to myself. I now belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it shows our faith in Jesus' death. It shows our faith in his burial and his resurrection. And all of these are necessary for our salvation. Baptism preaches the gospel every time that it is performed scripturally. Now, those who sprinkle and pour, it does not. But when you're immersed in the water, you're picturing that death, that burial, and that resurrection. But it's also a commitment to walk in newness of life. That's what it means when it says it's an answer of a good conscience toward God. The next thing that many people trust in is what they've done in God's service those in our text would uh, fit into this category. They had done all these things in the name of Jesus. They were trusting in those things that they had done. They didn't say, uh, we're your children because we've trusted in, in your work on the cross. They said, we're your children because we've done all those things. Uh, I'd like to remind you, that Judas was such a good actor and did so many of the same things that the other apostles did that the other apostles never suspected that he was the one that was going to betray Jesus Christ. But he had all the works. He did all these things. He preached in Jesus' name. Uh, uh, so far as we know, he probably healed or at least was involved in healing in Jesus' name. He did many things in Jesus' name. But he was one of those uh, that did not receive salvation because he wasn't trusting in Christ. Another thing that people trust in is church attendance. Here in the Bible Belt, church attendance is a part of your culture. Now, I know the majority of the people here do not go to church regularly, but many of those who do uh, think that they're Christians because they go to church every Sunday. They are faithful in Sunday school and Sunday morning service and Sunday night service and Wednesday night service and all the services and when they have those special meetings they go to all the special meetings and they think that makes them a Christian. Well going to church, attending church every service will no more make you a Christian than going out to your garage will make you a car. It just does not work that way. That is a work. That is something that we do but many of them uh, think that because they're faithful in church, and sadly many pastors think that because someone's faithful in church that they're children of God and they're going to heaven, but that is not necessarily the case. This next one's going to shock you a bit, but believing in Jesus is uh, not sufficient either. It is often said, just believe in Jesus and you will be saved, uh, but that's not what the scriptures say. Listen to what uh, it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, it says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Now, this is an answer to the uh, Philippian jailer who asked what he had to do to be saved. This is the most clear 
passage in the Bible when it tells us the object of our faith. The, the object of our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord. He's the one to whom we must give account. He's the one who gets to set the rules and say what we should do. He is Jesus, which means Jehovah, our Savior. He is the Christ, which means he's the anointed of God and the only one that can save. Uh, that can save. He's not simply sweet Jesus who allows us to continue just as we were before our salvation. Another thing that are trust that people are trusting in is praying a prayer. This again will shock you, but uh, just because you said a prayer doesn't mean you're going to get into into heaven. Uh, we're often told to pray and ask Jesus into our into our hearts, but where do you find that in Scripture? I challenge you to show it to me. uh, you'll say, well, the Bible says we're supposed to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Yes, we are, but that means to acknowledge him. It's not a prayer. Acknowledge him as who he is, because if you look at what Paul said, he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and the jailer did not pray. He just believed. The Ethiopian eunuch, when Philip uh, when he asked Philip uh, what he, if he could be baptized, uh, was told, if thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. No prayer was required. It was believing that saved. Is it wrong to pray at the time of salvation? Of course not. But it's not the prayer that saves. And if you're trusting on the fact that you said a prayer, you're not trusting in the right thing. And we need to remember that uh, because uh, it's faith in Jesus Christ that saves, not faith in having prayed the so-called sinner prayer, which is not found in the scriptures. None of these things that I've mentioned are things that Christians should not do. A Christian should get baptized, but he's baptized because he's saved. He's baptized after he believes, not in order to be saved. Uh, we're to do things in God's services. Like I mentioned, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says we, uh, we're saved by grace through faith without works. But in, ver- uh, in verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we're to walk in good works as Christians, so it's not wrong, but they don't save us. Uh, church attendance, you should be in the church where your membership is every time you can be and if you're out of town on vacation or something and it's a church day you should find a church that's a good bible believing church and go there because you should be in the services all the time but that does not make you a christian you're not a christian because you go to church uh, believing in jesus Well, that's just a light version of what the Bible says. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And without believing on him in the fullness of his person and believing and trusting the fullness of his work, his death on the cross, his shed blood, uh, his uh, burial, and his resurrection. You remember the Bible says that he died for our sins, but he rose again for our justification. And it it takes believing that whole thing and believing on the whole Jesus. Uh, It... it, uh, is not wrong to say a prayer at the time of salvation. As a matter of fact, it's not bad at all to to uh, say that, uh, thank you, Lord, for, for coming and dying on the cross so that I don't have to go and spend an eternity in hell. These things are not wrong, but they are not what saves. It is faith in Jesus Christ that is the channel that 
uh, brings God's grace into our lives and uh, and saves us. And by the way, I might add that if that grace does not sh- uh, change your lives, if it doesn't make you a new creature, then something is dreadfully wrong with what you're trusting in. And that's why we see so many people today who profess to be Christians. They go to church all the time. They even say, Lord, Lord, all the time. There are some that don't, sometimes it seems like they can't say a sentence without having Lord in it. And by the way, that's using the name of the Lord in vain when you make it such a trivial word that it's part of your constant conversation, even when it's not glorifying God. But we're not saved because we've done these things or anything else, even though, like I said, we are to do them. They do not save. Now that I have successfully ruffled uh, some of your feathers, Let me bring this thing into a conclusion because I've been talking about examining ourselves to make sure that we're saved and it says to make sure we're in the faith. But how about those of us who are saved? Should we examine ourselves also at this time of the year? Yes, I think that we should. Remember, the first people we're talking about are those wide-gate converts that that are converted to the religion. Now those of us who are truly converted to Jesus Christ, it's a new year. We should evaluate our last year and see how we did in God's service, see how faithful we were to God's precepts. And we should commit ourselves in the new year to being more faithful. I know a lot of people that I have no doubt they're saved. They, they have all the signs of being a new creature, but there are certain parts of the word of God that they do not follow, that they go their own way. They, they say, well, we don't have to keep the law. Well, we don't keep the law for salvation, but neither did the Old Testament saints. We're under grace The Old Testament saints were under grace, but we're to live according to God's precepts, and we need to check ourselves out, see where we've drifted off, because we all have a tendency to drift off from time to time. We need to pull ourselves back on track and start out the new year with the commitment to to, uh, serve God. So while I challenge each of us, myself included, to examine ourselves, to see whether we're really living in the faith, living the way the Bible tells us to live. Now, let me point this out. The faith is the system of doctrine that's laid down in the scriptures. It's God's principles. Are we really living by them? Do we excuse certain things? And I'm going to be a little touchy here because I need an example. It's the one that always comes to my mind. How about you women? Do you believe what it says in Titus chapter 2 when it says that women are to be keepers at home? Husbands, do you believe it and try and make it so your wife does not need to work? The question is this, are material things so important that you've got to have that second income to live? Like I've said before on this broadcast, I've always been on the lower end of the income uh, spectrum, but I've never been without what I need because God has promised to provide his faithful children all that they need. And my wife has worked at home. She has taken care of her family. She's followed the principles of Proverbs 31, and we've managed to get along just fine uh, in spite of the fact that she hasn't worked outside the home. Your wife does not have to work outside the home unless you've got so many bills uh, because you've got to have all your toys. Uh, And I know I'm being a little harsh here, but folks, are we living according to the precepts of God? That's the point I'm trying to make. I believe that it's probable that if you listen to my broadcast on a regular basis, and if you're listening this morning as I uh, 
say these things over the air that you are probably saved. But how are you doing on living up to the principles of God? What are you going to hear when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Now, if you're trusting in anything other than the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross, the Bible says it's through faith in his blood. It's the blood that he shed on the, cro- uh, shed on the cross that saves us from our sin. It's not our baptism, it's not our good works, it's not our church attendance, it's not any of those things. It's his work on the cross. If you're trusting in anything else, you need to settle that issue today before it's eternally too late. None of us have any guarantee that we will see tomorrow. If you're a Christian, how are you doing in following God's principles? Well, this message has mostly been addressed to those who are trusting something they have done for salvation. Those who are who truly trusted Christ need to do a self-examination also. I, I leave you with this with this verse. It's Colossians, or this passage, I should say. It's Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now there's a lot in here, and I'm not going to take a lot of time with it, but just let me hit a couple of points. As ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, remember the Lord Jesus Christ? Then it says, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, the principles of God, as ye have been taught, and doing so with thanksgiving. Now, I'd like to wish each and every one of you a happy and glorious new year in the service of God, in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been listening to Solid Foundation Ministries from Lenore, North Carolina. Dr. Kuvert has 35 years in the ministry as a former missionary and pastor. He is available for revivals and various conferences on missions, Bible, Baptist heritage, and the family. To find out more, go to our website, solidfoundationministries.com, or call 828-244-6505. Remember, the Christian life is not about you. It's about God receiving the glory.